Definitely. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Donna DeBonis and Dr. Rachel Cesar Martinez. And I have such a really great treat for you today because Rachel is coming to us from a very interesting career progression. And I'd like her to start out with telling us um, for our podcast here, American Association of Food Safety and Public Health Veterinarians, how it was that she came to veterinary medicine in the first place. All right. Well, thanks, Donna, for inviting me to talk with you all. Um, really excited for this opportunity. I um, I actually um, thought of being a veterinarian as as early as being a six year old. Um, my parents uh, we had a bit of a, a, a horse farm, a hobby farm. I should say a menagerie farm um, in Michigan. I was the last of six um, and I got to be raised up with all the animals on the farm. And um, I'd go with my dad riding horses um, to parades um, around the different counties and towns and so forth in Michigan, um, little small town in Minden, Michigan. Um, and someone had mentioned him, you know, Hey, you should get her in 4-H, um, you know, see what she, you know, maybe she'd like to be a part of them. And so I did, um, and I stayed in 4-H all the way to, I graduated high school. The greatest opportunity that actually really pushed me towards veterinary medicine even more because, um, I got to, um, show horses I got to be a part of livestock judging, meat judging, um, went to nationals for meat judging as one of the girls with the, with the boys um, <laughs> doing mm -hmm. meat judging. And um, it was a really great opportunity to, um, to be able to do that. And, and that was kind of my beginning of veterinary medicine because then I got to learn about Michigan State. Um, and that's where I, I fortunately was able to go to school after high school and then start my journey in veterinary school at Michigan State. So you went to Michigan State for your pre-vet as well? Yes, I did. I did both there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know about Michigan yeah. State because I did my master's in food safety there a few years ago since I obviously didn't think okay. I had enough degrees and um, needed a master's. <laughs> No, seriously, they had that apparently a very strong dual uh, DVM and master's program there and the uh, master's was online so I could take that part. Uh, obviously, having gotten my degree in veterinary medicine eons prior, prior to this. <laughs> so, the, uh, so here you were right there at Michigan State University, which, um, oh, I loved it, even though it was all online. It, so, so much camaraderie amongst the students. Very nice. Yeah, no, I yeah, very great. I love Michigan State, and and I I think one of the big reasons why too that program started that you're speaking of is because Dr. Lonnie King, um, was the dean there um, at the time that I was in vet school, um, and I got to know him pretty well, and that's how I kind of got to know more about public health and government regulatory medicine and so forth. So, um, he really was a really a a huge proponent on pushing us through and making sure we get into government medicine. Did you do a dual degree at that time at, at 
when you were in vet school? No, I did not. Um, I actually ended up getting a trial by fire uh, training mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, um, and that's kind of how I got to know the people that was part of that dual degree or, or the professors and the ones that are involved with it and the state and the USDA um, because I, um, fortunately, like I mentioned, I was the, I'm the last of six kids. Um, I was the only one that went to college or thought about going to college. And so um, doing that kind of thing and going to school for eight years was not the norm for my family. Mm -hmm. They thought was out of whack with me. Uh, so, so I, um, my, in the middle of uh, me in vet school, um, my parents ended up moving back to Louisiana. That's where they're traditionally from. And so, um, pretty much they had said, you know, they, they cut me off. They said, you know, if you want to keep doing this school thing, you're on your own. Um, so mm -hmm. fortunately, um, I had the opportunity to start working for the state, um, animal health division, um, as a student assistant. And that really opened up my eyes to public health and regulatory medicine and, and really got to meet, you know, Dr. King and many others that, um, were involved with public health. Um, so, so in other words, it was really that, more of like, a, did that opportunity uh, come before you while you were in vet school? Mm-hmm. Yep, wow, that is amazing. I had no idea that you were yeah, exposed yeah. to regular, regulatory medicine so early and, and public health as well. That, that is, that's exceptional. And so that was, that was your chance to really understand how the program worked and what that was all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And it, and it really helped me, you know, see all the different venues and avenues that we have um, for veterinary medicine. Um, and, and it really just honed in for me that, you know, I wanted to really stay involved with um, regulatory medicine, um, cause it was, it was a great opportunity and just a networking. I was able to do like grant. I was still in school when I, um, first, you know, had, you know, was a part of a depopulation of a poultry farm. Oh. Um, so mm. yeah, so that was kind of like a lot of the other veterinarians was like, did you think you'd ever be doing this, um, in mm -hmm. school and like, no, and it was, it was a little different. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, but I knew in the end, you know, this was important and the reason why we were doing it. Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, as a student, you're like, I'm here to help all animals and I just love everything. And, and then you're there having to, you know, chase chickens and figure out how to put them in to make sure they, <laughs> they're disposed of properly. Um, oh, yeah. so, so yeah, it was, it's an interesting time, um, but it's such a great opportunity um, to be able to do that. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So you would say keep your eye open even during vet school. And this sounds like it was something like a, was it perhaps like a work study program of some sort? Yeah, it was like, well, so in Michigan, um, I guess in the 2000s, we had an outbreak of, you know, bovine tuberculosis. And that was kind of the beginning of the really, you know, drastic situation we were dealing with with TB. Right. Um, and Michigan was dealing with it pretty bad because of, mm -hmm. you know, how many deer we have and um, as well as cows. And so um, they had requested from Michigan State for students to work during the summertime. 
um, to help. And fortunately, um, I didn't actually go to help for the tuberculosis side of things. I actually was able to help on the equine side um, with Dr. Steve Halstead, who was my first boss ever. Um, and mm -hmm. he actually, um, yeah, he ran the equine program. So I, and that was kind of the beginning too of the West Nile virus situation and concerned with rabies and raccoons and, and horses. So, so I pretty much was helping him with those surveillances and making sure that, you know, if there was a veterinary clinic in Michigan that had a horse that was neurologic and they wanted to see it to get it tested for West Nile or for rabies, I would go pick up the specimen. Um, or even if raccoons were, you know, found dead in the city, like in Detroit or something, I'd go pick them up and make sure we could sample them um, for rabies and so forth. So, so yeah, I got to really um, get exposed directly into it um, and, and be really involved with it. You know, and I, and I stayed with them, you know, I, after a student, I was like, man, this is amazing, exciting. I love doing this. Um, they really, you know, I kept going back there every summer. I even tried staying there after vet school, but they were like, no, um, you need to learn, hone in your clinical skills. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want to stay here. I like doing this. And they're like, no, no, no. You want to work on horses, go work on horses. And I'm like, I, I'd rather do this now. <laughs> And you know, but, that's so um, interesting because I, I really did hear somewhat the same thing um, last week. Uh, again, um, everyone says, go out there and do your clinical for a, a little bit at least. And and what, what they're looking at is they're saying you need that broad base of knowledge, even um, on the clinical side, regardless of whether you will stay there. It really is going to make a difference going forward. And, and you, you were wise, you took advantage of the great advice that people were giving you. And, and you went ahead and did that. And of course, horses, well, you're a horse girl too. So I am as well. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, I was really grateful that I got the opportunity because I was I was a little concerned about, you know, going directly out there and working on horses because um, I just, I just, you know, was worried about, you know, the clients and so forth. So I fortunately got the opportunity to go work in Lexington, Kentucky um, for a fellowship. Oh my um, goodness. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing to get to go work there. And that was a time that they were doing, they were dealing with the mare reproductive loss syndrome. Mm -hmm. So a lot of their foals were coming out, um, not having the oxygen that they needed. So they'd call them dummy foals. Mm -hmm. um, so many of those foals, you know, we'd had to treat them in the hospital. Um, and so I had to put catheters and foals all the time. And it was, I mean, it was such an amazing opportunity, especially to get to work like in the horse capital of the world, literally. Right. Um, <laughs> Lexington. So, so that was, that was great. I, I was able to do that. Um, so, um, but yeah, and then after that, um, you know, I was just, I was just really eager, you know, new student, new graduate, like, I just want to see the world, I want to do all this stuff. And, and then someone had mentioned, you know, well, if you really want to see the world, like, we got a clinic in the Middle East that you could go and work at, if you really want to. And I'm like, where? And and they were like Dubai, and I was like, I don't what is what? And so, so race like, horses, yeah, the sheep yeah. and the race horses, yes, uh huh. Yeah, so I was like, 
okay. I'm like, well, let me ask my mom and dad if they're cool with me going to another country because I've never gone. <laughs> and so they were like, you know, you're, you keep doing whatever. So just go. <laughs> yeah. We know you'll be fine. You did eight years of school. <laughs> so yeah, Dubai yeah, is pretty so I did, amazing. Um, I did. I, yeah, it was great. It was such a great culture opportunity. Um, very, very great opportunity. Um, how and long? I got how to long work in the Dubai Equine Hospital? Yeah. How long were you? Yeah, for a year. Uh, three. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They did. Um, they did ask if I would stay to do a residency, but I was. I don't know. I'm, I was um I I was okay with the culture and getting used to things and how things are. Just really missed America. Um. So yeah. So I was like, no, I think I'm gonna go back. And then, and then also I pre I'm I, I I'm happy that I was able to get the experience of working in the government and seeing what the government was about um beforehand because and not you know um you know, breaking any bridges or, you know, anything like that and making sure to keep my relationships open with them. So that's when I came back from Dubai. You. Okay. Yes, um, go ahead. Yeah, you just you dropped me? for just a second. No problem. Go ahead. So we got you right when you had completed your tour. And I'm going to say tour because I was in the military, a tour of the Middle East, the tour of Dubai. I I imagine you got to see some pretty sights anyway. I hope so, because it's pretty incredible out there. Oh, yeah. And um, at that point, you'd been out of school for how long? Gosh, um, probably only two years. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just two years or so, two or three years. Yeah, because I ended up coming to the USDA um, in 2004. And I came back to Michigan because I still had family in Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I, I knew of the um, the area there too. And so I started working in, um, in the field with um, helping the chronic waste and disease surveillance program. Um, and unfortunately, I also got to help out with the Wild Horse and Bureau program um, with the USDA and the Bureau of Land Management. So let me um, because let me take a moment to let um, folks know, I believe you when you say you you came back in um, and went to at USDA, um, that was APHIS program, correct? Yes, that was. Yeah. USDA Animal Plant Health Inspection Services. Yeah. Great. Yep. Thank and then, you. Uh, and I think it's important uh, to note here that uh, that your your ability to get into APHIS, which is uh, something that many veterinarians want to do when they get into government work, um, really, to me, sounds like it was uh, a far more uh, advantageous to do that by going directly out of school and aiming for it right from the get-go pretty much yeah yeah well yeah no definitely it, it's good 
I think it's always important um, to start your networking and starting to connect with individuals in different areas that you may be interested in um, while you're in school. And then also while when you're out of school, um, that's why I think um, veterinary organizations and being involved with them is so important because it's it, networking and, and getting to know the different people in different areas is, is such important and, and really can develop your career even further. Um, and that and that's really what helped me because, you know, I was able to come back and I talked to some individuals that I had friends with that were still in USDA and they mentioned, they're like, oh, we're, you know, there is going to be a vacancy opening soon because we do need someone to oversee our chronic waste disease program. Um, so when that position came open, you know, I applied for it. Um, and also too, you know, what's important is to make sure you have mentors and those that you can talk to about applying for these positions because applying for a government position is not just the same as applying for a, a private um, corporate Clinical position. or corporate, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you, because, it's um, very, it can, it's, it's very intimidating when you get up onto USA, USA jobs. And I, I, I'm positive the very first time I did and was filling out the application, it was, <laughs> it was so hard to do. And now that I've got my account established, it's like, oh, no, it's nothing. I just update a few things and it's all good. But it's, it's you're right. Um, I, I, I think it, it can't be stressed enough that it, when you have individuals who are there to help you, and many people do want you to be successful, and so they'll help you through the process, even of just filling out the those strange applications on USA Jobs. They're they're strange initially when you look at them. So good for yeah. you and those mentorships and really getting involved in programs. Uh, when when you first started out, then did you right at that time getting into um, USDA and APHIS? Did you join National Association of federal uh veterinarians uh, like right from the get-go or what so yes i actually i did join them um and um and that was only because it was a fellow colleague that was in the usda with me um that told me like hey you need to be a part of this association um and you know and as a new grad i'm like okay um <laughs> I, I guess um they're like and she's like they only take out like twenty dollars ten dollars every two weeks out of your paycheck it's so worth it um because you never know you know they also have legal you know support if you need it um someone you could talk to other colleagues you can talk to in this association they're like she's like just join you need to join and so I was like okay so yeah so I actually I've been God, since 2004, I guess, yeah, um, a member, um, and that was just because, you know, another fellow colleague told me I should, I should join. Yes, and, and I, I don't think it would have been a blip on your radar otherwise, because we're so used to thinking about joining AVMA, or for equestrian, you're, or equine, you're thinking AEP, and, and this is such a, a very different approach. Now, granted, people can only join it if they are a federal veterinarian. But um, on the other hand, you do have um, other organizations that you belong to. So there's an overlap, I would say. And, and that's how we, that's how we know each other because 
of the overlap. We have a strategic partnership between our two organizations. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty amazing that all of a sudden it's like, it, this whole landscape of other opportunities uh, through relationships that you could forge um, in, uh, you know, with the other organization. So I'm in AAFS PHV, you're an AFV, we have strategic partnership with the board certified organization, ACVPM, <laughs> and um, all together, we, we, we tend to hang out together too, I'd say, wouldn't you? at conventions mm -hmm. and so on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Definitely, because we have so many things that we can talk about and connections. Um, and especially, like, uh, I had went to the Veterinary Leadership Conference meeting in Chicago, and, you know, fortunately, I was able to meet the current president, you know, of your organization. And, you know, we talked about how to collaborate on certain things, you know, moving forward and really trying to make sure that, you know, we really focus on continued education that's needed for um, all of us that are in public health and food safety and government and regulatory medicine and and you know so much that can overlap and that we could really um, really be involved with together. So yeah, yeah no definitely. matter what, you still have to maintain your your um, veterinary license and you, and that requires our, your continuing education credits. So this um, so let's backtrack mm -hmm. then to 2004. You got involved with APHIS there in Michigan. And so what happened next? So I stayed there for a few years um, and I had the opportunity, I would go to the port sometime for the border of Canada and Michigan um, and help and support the um, inspecting the animals that are coming into the country. Um, that was a really great opportunity. I got to go to Niagara Falls um, and, you know, oversee the animals coming into the country. Um, I was always, you know, ready to go, go somewhere, let's go somewhere. Um, and then it's just, it was just me and my dog, you know, for the most part. And so, you know, someone started telling me about this, um, you know, well, our headquarters is Washington, DC. And, and I was just like, wow, that'd be cool to be over there and live over there. Um, and then I heard that there was this opportunity called um, Horse Protection Act. And um, I talked to individuals about that. Um, I talked to the administrator for the program, Dr. Chester Gibson, who basically became like my father um, because I ended up taking on that position and moving to DC um, and running the horse protection program. And that's where um, I was part of still APHIS, but I was in animal care then. Um, and so in that we enforced the Animal Welfare Act and the Horse Protection Act. Um, and basically that means making sure that animals that are in the public eye or, or for competition or, you know, or for sale or anything of that nature, um, different parameters, but more or less um, that's seen in the public eye that's, that can be concerning with getting abused um, in, a, in, a, in a bad way. Um, so we're, we're put in place to, to make sure that doesn't happen or to make sure that, you know, it's not being done at all. If, possible. So, um, so I got to be able to be in that position, um, based in right outside of DC, but it was Riverdale, Maryland. That's where our headquarters is for, um, APHIS. Um, and so, um, I did that for about eight years in that position. Yep. Mm. So you were living, uh, actually in Washington, DC. 
at that time? Yes, yes. I was in Washington for a little bit. Um, and, you know, coming from Michigan um, and, you know, kind of smaller town, sort of, um, and then moving to D.C. and hearing the sirens and taking the metro and doing their food. It was a little different for me. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but fortunately, uh, you know, I, it was such a great opportunity. And then also I was able to see that I had um, other colleagues that had moved there as well that were that were alumni of Michigan State. Um, and so I was able to move to um, Southern Maryland, which is about maybe an hour from DC and um, was able to start a farm there um, later on, later, later on. Um, and be, but however, be able to be more in a small town area where I enjoyed um, living. So and having a Walmart and Target close by. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, yeah, my friends who worked in Washington, D.C. did live in Maryland, so they said that it was certainly worth the commute, and and I I, I was wondering, knowing that you're, you're a person who also loves living in a rural place like I do, how that, how living in the city was, it's, it can be so yeah, it can be so stressful, but um, but then you found you found uh, your way back to the countryside and still got to be in in your position. So eight years there, and um, and and what was happening on the regulatory side in in terms of you being in um, any other organizations at that time besides NAFV? Do you do you recall? Uh, and AVMA, I assume, because you said you were in the leadership convention. That would that happens in January. Well, um, yeah, and actually, um, I, I I did constantly stay, you know, as a member of NAFE, and I would, you know, help as being a, a coordinator um, as well for um, the NAFE for AFIS. You know, if there was like a regional meeting or something to get chapters together and stuff, so I had to help a little bit with that. However, um. I um I was still really interested in getting more involved in organizational veterinary medicine. Um, and so I, I fortunately got the opportunity to be part of Wivaldi, um, the beginning of that, and that was Women's Veterinary Leadership Development Initiative. Um, and I I was part of the founding board for that and um really great opportunity to really, you know, influence and and push, you know, women into leadership positions and provide training that, you know, and not just women, new graduates, those that, you know, that really want to, you know, move forward and and be a leader in veterinary medicine. It's a really, really great organization. Um, which also I, during that time, kind of towards the end of my eight years of horse protection, um I started really getting like kind of addicted a little bit to veterinary organizational medicine because um <laughs> I then started being a part of the, the DC Veterinary Medical Association and helping out with that um and being a part of their house of delegates and it wasn't really me I guess pushing myself to be it it was really my mentor so Dr. Mike Gilsdorf um who was the the executive vice president for the NAFE he was really really great mentor for me and and every time he saw an opportunity or you know a, a leadership opportunity opening up he would tell me like you should go for this you should go for that and that's always so important is having that pusher I guess you'd say um because sometimes you know you don't feel like well maybe I could do it but I don't know but if you have someone like you know, pushing you along and saying, you can do it. I can see you in that position. Um, it's really important. Um, and so, 
so he was kind of like always getting me to like go push along and do things. And, um, and at first I'd be like, oh, okay, well, um, but I, none of the opportunities that he would say I should go forward, I've said like, I shouldn't have done this because it's always been a great, great challenge and great success for me. So I've, I've really appreciated his mentorship for me. Yes, I, yes, I know Mike Gilsdorf well. He, he sits on our board of governors for the AFSPHV and, and he was, um, one of our first uh, people that agreed to get interviewed. I think he might be like episode six and I believe this is episode 16. I, I didn't check before we started, but okay, it's up there. So uh, for those people who wanna make that connection can look back and, and uh, listen to Mike Gilsdorf and his uh, quite remarkable career. I, um, I, I get this, this, the impression from him uh, even nowadays uh, that he is he is incredibly supportive um, uh, throughout the organization with um, with all veterinarians and and that's something that I see quite common now that I've been involved in in uh, organizational veterinary medicine uh, and I I am just amazed at the amount of support particularly when you step to the forefront and you are more involved with committees and you. I, I can't even begin to say the difference. It's like night and day from from just being in the sidelines because I've been in state associations, uh, veterinary associations, you know, my pretty much my whole uh, working life, and, and it's extremely different. Uh, and and you're right. It seems like there are people who are willing to step up, and uh, and really be mentors. Um, they they kind of volunteer their way into your life. And, and that's kind of what happened with me. Um, I, I, to get into AAFS PHV, they go, you know, hey, I think you would be really good um, to apply to be, you know, the next incoming president. And little did I know it was a six year commitment overall, but that's okay. I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I just stepped down and now I'm in past president position. You are in the president position. I am. And um, yes, I am. And I, as I recall, when when you and I kind of started talking, maybe somewhere around a year ago, um, you you were just getting ready to move from Maryland and go into a different position. Is is that about right? So am I taking you like forward from those, you know, 10, 10 years or so that you were working in Washington D.C. and then then what happened? after that, because the horse protection was coming to an end, you said. So what happened then? Yeah, so a lot happened after that. Um, <laughs> that right? was like 2016. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so six years in between there, I, I did, um, I did get married. I did have two kids. Um, and I was in a position for as director for live animal imports um veterinary mm -hmm. services still in APHIS um which was a really great opportunity as well um and then now um I am actually the area veterinary in charge um predominantly for Mississippi um I support Louisiana however I have an assistant area veterinary in charge that leads Louisiana um and I support him anytime he needs me um but 
I'm in the South now. Um, and um, even though, you know, I am, I enjoy the small town and, you know, it, it's different around every, all parts of the country that you just got to get used to. Um, so, so yeah, so, but I'm down here now because my parents are, they were generally, I'd always say that they were my, my first children because everyone would, you know, ask me like, you know, when I tell them I'm a veterinarian, um, they ask, you know, do you have kids? And I'm like, well, no. And they're like, oh, well, someday. And I'm like, okay, but I'm a doctor, so you should be happy. And so I started telling people when, you know, um, that I'm a veterinarian, then they ask if I have kids. So I'd say, yeah, I do. Um, they're like, you know, like 70 and 75. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, they're pretty, pretty older kids. Um, they're quite expensive too. They like to go on cruises. Um, get big flat screen TVs now, these, the newest phones and ugh, just, yeah, they're a lot. So, so yeah, so now, um, well, that's what happens when you're the youngest young kid, you're, you're stuck with it all. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's where it's like, cause I remember driving my mom one day and I was like, mom, don't you think I should have kids? Like, and she's like, why? Like, <laughs> you don't know, you don't need any kids. I got enough she had all her grandchildren already she was good (laughs) yeah but that's what dad was like who'll get our phones then and I'm like oh my gosh I was like you guys are my children so so yeah so when I did get pregnant and stuff they're like what's gonna happen to us and I'm like we're gonna be fine okay you're still my first kids we're gonna be okay I'll always Uh, love you so now (laughs) yes and I'm closer. We live 20 minutes away from them, you know, oh, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, coming over. And, and fortunately, you know, my two kids are the last of their grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting to, you know, grow up with each other. And it's pretty interesting. It's like raising teenagers and toddlers. Um, so Because <laughs> <laughs> they like, he took my popcorn. And he's like, I'm like, really? You guys going to fight over popcorn? Really? So, like my yeah, popcorn pretty- yeah <laughs> so, so yeah. there's there like I, I hear a little sibling rivalry going on there <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh how wonderful though so um so yes I do recall you it, it just seems so amazing that you were picking up your your farm essentially and moving it to to the south when what a <laughs> what a what a great um opportunity to make yourself crazy pack up a bunch of animals and kids and your <laughs> husband and bit that business and yeah <clears throat> okay yeah it was as close. i understand it, was, it you have it your close. own yeah your farm is kind of like a business too isn't it well it, it was um when we were there like i tried to because i really do you know i love being a veterinarian i love you know, telling people about animals. And so like when I was in DC, we would try to do day camps and different things for people to come out to learn about animals. Um, and, you know, and not just children, but their parents too, because, you know, a lot of people, we had a miniature horse, you know, and a, mm, and a thoroughbred yeah. and they were like, so what happened to that one? Like he didn't, he didn't grow or is he a baby? And I'm like, no, that's a full grown horse. And they're like, oh, what happened? Why did he not? And I'm in such drama. And I'm like, well, you just know how people, you know, certain sizes, same thing with horses, you know, 
different sized horses. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's, I'm hoping down here we can get to do the same thing. We're just starting back up now. And, uh, and of course, it, instead of the snow, um, like it is in the North, it rains, mm, um, yeah. a lot, a lot. And, um, yeah, and it's a little different with the rain because the rain is, um, like when it snows, it stops and you can walk on top of the snow, but in the rain, you can't really even walk out there because you'll sink. Yeah, the mud. <laughs> oh, you yeah. might, like, you know, they might take you, so you're just like, it's going back in the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so how many, how many horses, so yeah, but, but how many horses and livestock did you end up moving when you, when you moved last year? Oh gosh. Um, probably, I mean, we had like, uh, like maybe 10 to 12 sheep Two. it was kind of like a Noah's Ark move, mm -hmm. except it wasn't a boat. Um, <laughs> it was like, it's two pigs, um, two horses and, um, two goats. I think, I think like 10 sheep mm -hmm. and then like 15 chicken two turkeys, two ducks. So two dogs. Yeah. That's what, that was, Gosh, our, you know, what, Rachel? my husband. Tried to yeah. You're, you're, you know, people, people go, yeah, you must love, love animals. Do you have any? And I said, I had to be a veterinarian in self-defense because I had so many animals <laughs> at certain times in my life. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> it happens we 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 just enjoy them so much and you know the children really do too yeah um yeah I'm exactly sure. yeah and yeah. i know and in those cartoons and those you know the beverly hillbillies like that that's true that does happen <laughs> so you know there is people that's going to drive and bring their whole farm with them wherever mm -hmm. they go so and yeah us um so here you are. You're relocated, yeah, and so, um, uh, uh, I forgot that. Are you in? Are you in Mississippi actually at this point, or Louisiana? Where are you residing? I'm more in the Louisiana area right now. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. in Louisiana more. Mm -hmm. But I, I, but I travel a fair amount to Mississippi um, mm -hmm. to check on my staff and meetings and so forth. And um, unfortunately, going to be going to the Mississippi Veterinary Medical Association meeting. Um, towards the end of this month, um, where we're actually going to have a NAFE chapter meeting. So that'll be great. Oh, I didn't know that, that, that there was such a thing. So you're, you, you end up belonging to your state VMA as well. And um, any other organizations mm -hmm. that you belong to, veterinary organizations? Besides that? And well, I'm still part of the American... Yeah, the American Association of Equine Practitioners. Um, oh. I'm still involved with them. Um, mm -hmm. I really do enjoy being kind of my my family that kept me together in horse protection. So um, I always, you know, they're always great to to be with. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when you ended up deciding to um, move down to the to the south, did you look at APHIS jobs that were available in that area? thinking to yourself, well, I can stay within APHIS and then I will be able to move down to be next to my folks? Or was that somehow a, a coincidence? 
Um, no, it wasn't really a coincidence. Um, I um I had heard that possibly the individual that was overseeing Mississippi and Louisiana was going to be retiring soon. Um, so I looked into it a little bit further and, you know, found out and so forth. And they were like, yeah. And then that's when they were like, yeah, just kind of like how before when I came back from Dubai, they're like, you should apply and who knows. And, um, and of course, you know, I, I did apply and, um, and it was also during the time frame of us dealing with, um, which we still are dealing with bird flu. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't hear back from anyone for quite a while. So I figured they were like, already found someone else and everything. Um, but um, they called me and said, hey, you know, we got this opportunity if you're interested to come down here. And so it was kind of a like, wow, because um, I, I was going to um, move down. We were going to move down here eventually, like in the next couple of years or so. Um, but um, the opportunity came open and I told my husband, I was like, are you ready to go now? Because we could go now. So that's when he was like, as long as we're together, let's go. And so so that's oh, wow. how it went. That's amazing. <laughs> so now um, at this point, you've been in APHIS for how many years altogether? Um, I will be coming up on my 19th year. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so almost amazing. And how did you end up becoming the president of NAFV? Because here you were so busy with APHIS and um, the many amazing programs you were involved in. And it's not like you needed something else to do, like be the president of a big organization. <laughs> you have you have uh, so many veterinarians in your organization. Well, so how did that happen? Um, yeah, I know. And it's crazy how it happened because it was, again, Dr. Gilstorf. <laughs> Mike, we're blaming you. Yeah, he called me again. It was like, hey, what are you up to? I think you'd be great to run for this. And I was like, I really, gosh, do not have the time. And I got so much. I just took off my plate. And he's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, well, you know, maybe this this other person will win. But, you know, just, you know, it's just fair competition anyhow. And you know, we'll see, you know, um, but if, if you do get it, you'll be, you'll be okay. And I'm like, all right. So yes, it was because mm -hmm. of push. <laughs> How, so what, tell me about your, um, your term. Is it, is it sort of the same? I Ours is two years of, of being the president elect. And that's kind of like a training ground and it's two years being president. I mean, is it somewhat similar? Cause I kind of feel like you were on the, you, you were standing on deck there for a while, <laughs> as we say in the horse show world, you were on deck and, and, and I saw you coming in and I, I just don't recall exactly how long that took. Yep. It was about, it was for two years that I was on deck and then I'll be the president for two years. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so, then um, so it's like a four year term. Yeah, four mer four years of commitment, and then they they do want some kind of continuity and stick around, be the past president. Um, it you know it's it, it is it's about continuity and support. So um, I I'm yeah. just so I I'm so delighted that 
that you you were able to come in um, on that position. I feel that the younger veterinarians taking leadership roles in these organizations are going to make the organizations themselves more relevant. And that was uh, a lot of the reason why I tried very hard to find someone who um, was ideally at least one generation younger than me <laughs> to come in and take over. And uh, Dr. Angela Demery is, has been um, just incredible. She she is amazing. And uh, so she's she's our new president. And I and, and that's what you were just mentioned that you had gotten the opportunity to meet up with her recently. And, um, and then again, just continue to forge these collaborations. So what do you see uh, going forward with APHIS now as um, the uh, area regional? Is that what you're saying? You're the area director, region director? Um, the area veterinarian charge for mm. Mississippi mm -hmm. and um, supporting Louisiana. So yeah, so basically what I would, I'm doing is, is supporting the states and making sure that they're they have the funding that they need. They have the resources that they need um, to make sure that their agriculture, their animal uh, animals are sustaining appropriately, especially their livestock, um, their markets. You know, making sure they they have the animal the identification system that they need in place, um, and making sure you know they have the the veterinarians um, accredited and trained appropriately. Um, I'm a really big proponent on um, outreach and making sure everyone knows about, you know, the biosecurity needs, um, especially with bird flu going on. Um, it's really important that we're talking to, you know, backyard farmers and individuals that are selling um, poultry to make sure, you know, they're doing what they can to, to, to keep down this disease because we're still dealing with it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the big things that, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure is, is, is keeping tame right now. Um, because as you see, you know, even though we don't want to say it's an immediate, you know, uh, threat or issue that that is due to bird flu, but uh, obviously you see, you know, the the rise, the high, the rise of egg prices um, and chicken um, now for to buy at the grocery store is a little bit higher than normal. But mm -hmm. um, we're not trying to say it's due to bird flu, but it's you know there is probably a little bit of a link somewhere there that's concerning. So, you know, just want to try to just do our figure best to that the manufacturers of the commercial operations and so forth were getting a little bit aggravated that so many people had decided to become homesteaders and have, you know, gardens and, and poultry in their backyards. And, you know, what can I say? People wanted to learn how to be self-sufficient. I know here uh, we are on Whidbey Island in the Pacific Northwest, Washington State. And uh, I tell you what, you know, if, if um, we don't have the ferry coming in on the, 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 the south end of the island, if there's something wrong with the ferry service, you know, that area is cut, cut off. And if we don't have, if the, the pass, uh, Deception Pass Bridge is uh is compromised and that has happened with rock slides <laughs> we we have to figure out how we're doing our own food over here and i think a lot of people felt like that during uh covid which here we are in the third year that they said it's going to be three years folks and we're all like no it'll only be three weeks <laughs> so um so yeah i feel like people are, are just ready to be self-sufficient we have a very um we have a, a very can-do attitude, I think, in, in America. 
So, uh, so yeah, lots lots of back, lots of backyard chickens here and uh, people are, are, are doing great with their, uh, you know, poultry and so forth. Um, So you, uh, you, you're doing really great with keeping busy on all of this. You have your organizational medicine being the president. It does take up way more time than they told you, I'm sure. <laughs> I noticed that part of it, but it was exciting. I loved it. And I'm um, sure you do too. And, and, and then you have time now to, to spend um, with, your, with your children there and your, your folks, your husband and your new your new ranch having been relocated that's fantastic do you in in looking back as we as we come up to the end here in looking back on on these 19 20 years since you graduated and had such a, a amazing career already what kind of of i don't know what kind of advice do you feel that you would offer um for for folks who want to get into veterinary medicine or or perhaps even make a career change, because I, I, I see that a lot now um, in some of the Facebook groups I'm in for veterinarians, where, where folks are just ready to do some kind of changes, and AVMA doesn't really have a whole lot on their job site. So what, what do people do? How do, they, how do they find out about you know, this kind of medicine? Um, APHIS has such fantastic opportunities. Well, I always say um, to don't don't feel like you can't ask mm-hmm. or don't feel like you can't you know, just call someone or email someone or or text someone or or even twice if they don't respond to you the first time. Because that's the thing is like, you know, sometimes I'll get an email and um, it'll get so much spam in between and you'll miss it. Like just you're, you're not being. um what is it called? Um, it's important to be persistent um, mm-hmm. and not be afraid that mm-hmm. you're like bothering someone. I mean, honestly, once you get to, you talk to a person and you notice that you're bothering them, you'll, you'll be able to tell and, <laughs> and then don't call them again. Uh, but, but generally I think it's just, um, just don't be afraid to ask and, and ask, you know, what's, how, how do, what do I do? What do you do? And how can I get to that point? Or, and, and realize there is so many different opportunities in veterinary medicine. Um, I mean, I was a, I was a professor, adjunct professor at a community college while I was in Southern Maryland. That's kind of how I started with doing like teaching the people about animals at our farm. Um, I just, it was kind of a, a, that was a kind of a fluke thing because we were in the middle of furlough um, and I was kind of bored. <laughs> And so it was like, you ever thought about teaching? And I was like, I love teaching. I love talking to kids about animals and things. And they're like, you should go see if the community college needs a biology teacher. And Mm -hmm. I started doing it. Yeah, good point. I did did do a little bit of teaching at community college off and on through the years. And you're right, it was incredible. So that's a good idea. And then you yourself... Um, would you be available perhaps where people could reach out to you maybe like on LinkedIn, something like that, or, um, you know, for, for maybe a little bit of guidance. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, definitely. Definitely. Feel free to, but like I said, if, 
if I don't respond back to you the first time, um, try again. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. don't feel like that I am trying to ignore you or anything because um, it's just sometimes, you know, with different things. That, just like even you, Donna, you know, I appreciate that you text me and said, are you ready in a half an hour? And I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, let me, um, yeah. I'm like, yeah the, so that's day, the, the day was going on. I'm like, geez, I, I need to check and see if Rachel and I are still on track for the same time. <laughs> because we're two we're two hours difference right we're yeah we're, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah this is fun that's another fun thing when you're in in charge of an organization where people across <laughs> the united states or sometimes the world <laughs> so yes we we um we have fun meeting up and trying to figure out what time zone we're in but but yeah so what what i what what i think of in in ways to to find out more so you, you belong to the state association. So potentially people could meet up with APHIS um, veterinarians at state VMAs. Um, mm -hmm. They can meet up with them on LinkedIn and maybe just do a search like APHIS close to me or, or even Google. Um, I find that, um, that if you are belonging to an association already that, that um, those individuals are already in like well certainly they can't go into NAFV because that's very particular but um, in our case with AAFS PHV we do have that crossover with uh, federal veterinarians working in our association too and we do welcome clinical veterinarians uh, as well because we consider clinical medicine to be public health right it mm -hmm. it uh, pretty much is touted that way in the uh, United States Army Veterinary Corps. Uh, our, we are called preventive medicine officers for that very reason. We are, um, we are part of the public health um, activities in the, in the Army. And um, so, yes, you are welcome to join us that way. And here you could meet so many veterinarians who are in these incredible uh, jobs. And, and I thank you for being willing to talk to me here today and take me through these uh, very interesting types of projects that I had no idea APHIS did. <laughs> now, I, now I'm looking at it all thinking, I wanted to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sitting here like, oh, am I too old to apply? You know, I, I'm just very, now I'm very kind of ramped up about all the, the, the really cool stuff APHIS does that I did not know was happening. So uh, thank you for, for going through in detail and, and answering all of my strange uh, questions as they pop up along the way. And, um, and for, your be for you being so welcoming to other veterinarians um, or, or people who are interested in being veterinarians and, and they're thinking, is this a career for me? Maybe I don't necessarily want to you know, do clinical medicine. What else is there? And there's a great need, isn't there, in the USDA? so much yes very much needed. and and i think that too is you have to realize especially when it, we were dealing with corona virus um we were actually out there um vaccinating people um and so it was veterinarians that was helping do that um and we were actually were asked too if we needed to we were going to have to um vaccinate um for monkeypox too um and so there's just so much that we we do as veterinarians that um you just realize, um, you know, it's, that's why I always tell kids, I was like, if you could be a veterinarian and you could be an astronaut as well if you wanted to. So, but, but there's just so many things that we are, 
are asked to do. Like, even like you were mentioning, you know, being a preventative veterinary um, doctor in the army, mm -hmm. in the military, any of those things that you're like, wait, I do what? And it's like, but this is for people. You're like, well, did you know all the different parts of the animal? You knew parts of the person too. So it's, it's just so important to realize what you what you can really do in this field. So I've never like any, any time, if anyone ever said to me that, you know, would you pick a different career? Never, ever. Mm -hmm. I've, mm -hmm. I picked the right. And, you know, so I think. But... What a good way to put it too. And, and, um, and everything that you look at, it is a matter of service, but veterinary medicine very much is so. And, uh, and it is, particularly also in government work, far more uh, financially secure uh, than, than other mm -hmm. uh, venues to work. And so again, if you're at that point in your life where you think you need to have a change and you want um, more financial security, um, it may look perhaps a little low in some ways on a regular salary, but on the other hand, um, the benefits and the entitlements that you get are are just really fantastic and they make up for it so that said i guess we'll sign off and if you don't mind i will put uh, your contact info and a short bio in the show notes for this episode on our youtube channel and i will copy over the audio from this onto our podcast channel and i will offer that those links to you to share um, amongst your organization uh, members. And likewise, we'll do that here. So it's been really fantastic, Rachel. I thank you again so much. I love this time getting to know the different veterinarians who come on. So tell your cohorts to come in and volunteer to be interviewed by me too. And you guys have, you have I a great it. weekend. Thanks again. You too. All right, Bye. take care.